Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. God, we want to thank you for um, Brandon's ministry. We want to thank you for everyone who has... um, helped uh, do your work here at this church, um, those who helped with Trunk or Tree, those who helped with the video game night, the, uh, the pastors, elders, deacons, everyone who has served in that role. Um, we ask that this, this message continues to help people uh, as we move through uh, uh, this Colossian letter, um, and that there's something is said today that will help people grow close to you. Amen. Yeah, so we are... I'm going to continue with the the series that we're doing in Colossians, picking up right where Elder Wright left off last week at at verse uh, 16, I believe that is. And I'll give you a little more extra background information. I'm not going to give you, um, I'm not going to re-summarize the previous four sermons, uh, but I'll add some things that will be particular to to this one today. Um, And so normally we kind of, we're in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. Normally we read, and then I'll, I'll kind of explain what we read, but I'm going to do the opposite today. I'm going to explain it first and then read it, just so that when you read it for the first time, you have a, a little bit more clarity exactly to what you're seeing, and you're not as thrown off, maybe as confused. Uh, so, as Charles mentioned last week, the, the church there at the city of Colossae, they've got, they've, got, they've got their Jesus religion, and then there's other things they're wanting to add to it. You know, some mysticism, Judaism, whatever it is, Jesus plus this, plus this, plus that. Um, And then what we see from historians, either fact or speculation, there's um, ideas that may also be going on that Paul addresses specifically um, in verses 16 to 23. Um, So it starts with this simple premise that humans are sinful and that all of creation has been affected by the fall. Cool. Well, we can work with that. Then it steps up, God's holy, um, and sinful people would have a hard time on their own getting to this holy God. Cool, we can work with that. Then it starts to step to the side a little bit, where it says, all the creation is corrupt. And so if a sinful person wants to get closer to God, then they need to be less involved in sinful creation, right? Uh, almost the the logic of it is is kind of simple. It's like, hey, if you want to stay clean, like don't go play in mud. Uh, but the practicality of it uh, got a little ugly. It's so where people started saying, hey, you shouldn't um, eat food, right? Because you're partaking in creation, and being involved in that, the sinful creation means you're less closer to this holy God. You shouldn't go to celebrate this Passover festival, even though it is in it, it in itself is a good festival to go to, but you're enjoying things of man, which means you're less enjoying godly things, which not the case, but this is what's happening. Um, it goes further, and people are now saying, hey, let's go live out in the desert and just kind of be uh, really pulled away from creation in this other world so we can just spend all our time doing nothing but thinking about God reading scripture. So you have some of these people that living out in the desert, they weren't having sex because that's a pleasure of man. In fact, they, some would start mutilating themselves so that that wouldn't even be an option. And you also have people who just, they're not wearing shoes because that's 
a pleasure of man and creation. And Paul's trying to tell him, hey, you don't need to do that <laughs> to, to worship God. You can wear shoes. You can eat the food. God made it. It's good. It's fine. You don't need to do that. It goes a little further, right? Creation is simple. And then it says, oh, well, humans must be just as bad. And if they're that bad, then there's no way that this holy God would have actually came down to this sinful earth and bed and lived as a sinful person. So this belief then started that Jesus didn't actually physically come down here. He just appeared like he did. But that, that wasn't really him. That wasn't his real body. He wasn't really there. Him dying on the cross, he didn't actually do that in person. Um, and so Paul's like, hey, we, we've got to address these things. And so you start seeing what can look like random words of like you're reading Colossians. Why did this guy Paul just sit down and start decide to write about elaborate sentences about Jesus and flesh and creation and different things? Well, he's actually addressing a specific problem. These aren't just random words. Um, and, and then take it one step further. And this, this thought, this really bad uh, theology that said, well, if God is so separate from us, we're not even worthy to speak to him. We actually need to um, pray and worship the angels because they're right next to him in heaven. So they're worthy to speak to him. So we can talk to them and then they will talk to us and then we'll use the angels and heavenly beings as like our middleman because we, the sinful humans, sinful creation, aren't actually worthy to, to be involved with Jesus in this way. Right. So a lot of stuff going on. Uh, hopefully that made sense. So now let's read it. Verse 16 says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism. These were the, the guys out in the desert uh, in worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of this world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not touch, sorry, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All right, so he's hopefully with the with the background that that makes a little more sense when you just initially read it. We'll we'll go back through and kind of. Uh, touch on a little a little bit more of these things but not I don't want to skip thoughts so much so what I want to spend more time doing um, is acknowledging the reality that what the first century Jews were facing are not likely going to be the things you face tomorrow right most the 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 problem of our day isn't people telling us go worship the angels go live in the desert without shoes and don't eat and don't have sex. And it's not like it doesn't exist, but that's not likely what you're going to run into tomorrow. So what I want to do is now look at the kind of the core issues that were behind why some of these uh, bad beliefs came up 
and, and what those same core issues look like for us today. Does that make sense? So kind of identified four, four core problems Paul is addressing. Do I have my slide up? Am I good? We got that. So the first one is, uh, I'm going to talk about, it's called the, the shadow problem. So uh, just imagine uh, you, uh, um, so when we're talking about a shadow, he's talking about a real shadow, just so, you know, the, the dark spot on the floor when, when, when light hits an object. And the big thing with a shadow is it's not, it's not the real object, right? It's, it's not the thing itself. You can't really touch it. It doesn't have the details of that that that, that particular thing has. Um, or anything. So just just imagine you have. Um, uh, I'm going to use. The, there's a picture that's going to pop a, a rickety fence in your backyard. Okay, you're a 14 year old kid. It's youth day, and you have a friend who comes over. Let's name the friend Lucas. So you and Lucas are over the house. Mom comes up to you with a bucket of paint and says, "Hey, kids, go out and paint that fence. No big deal." So you go out. You start painting. And then you look at your friend Lucas, and Lucas has got on the ground and started painting on the, on the floor where the shadow is. And you may look at him funny, and like, you may initially think, hey, Lucas, we're supposed to paint the fence, right? You, you probably wouldn't actually immediately think Lucas is painting the shadow. You think, oh, he, he must have heard me wrong or heard mom wrong. We're supposed to paint the fence. And so, oh, okay, 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 okay. And the mom looks out, sees Lucas is struggling. We'll give him a more, like, like concrete job. Let's have Lucas um, put some nails in the fence. So you give him hammer and nails, go back out, and Lucas, sure enough again, gets on the ground where the, the shadow is, takes his hammer and nail, and starts hammering on the shadow instead of the fence. And at that point, you look at Lucas and say, oh, my goodness. He thinks that shadow is the actual fence. Lucas is crazy. You now know that. And I would tell you that non-Christians are looking at us, at Christians, and they're saying, those Christians are crazy. They think that shadow is the actual Jesus. Those, those things that are supposed to point us to him and be reminders of him we are now treating as if they are him, his actual self. And we get to the point where we, we begin obs- obsessing over people and questioning their relationship with God and questioning salvation because, because of a shadow type thing. We, we're like, we're down here and we're telling someone that they're not really a Christian because they did or didn't dress up for Halloween. Or we tell someone they're not really a Christian because they did or didn't wear a hat in church. Well, they're not really Christian because they do or do not exclusively listen to gospel music. And these things that should just be shadows, like, like hey, they, they just they point to Jesus. Not that they're bad in any way, but we're, we're making them the thing itself. And we typically have two extreme reactions to this. On, on this one extreme, uh, you'll have someone who says, it's just a shadow. It doesn't matter. I don't need to do it at all. Right? I don't need to get baptized. I don't need to go to church because that's not really my salvation. I, I don't need to do, um, participate in the Sabbath or communion or anything like that. And you're right. It is not your salvation itself. But Paul is saying the substance of it is of Christ, though. And therefore, in and of itself, it is naturally a good thing. 
And so we don't need to hop on someone for doing that. And you yourself, if you're doing it and someone's telling you not to do it, you need to know and be reminded that, hey, if what you're doing is based in Jesus, then you don't need to listen to anyone who's trying to disqualify you for doing that thing. Pastor and I were talking earlier in the week of the generations over and over the repeated pattern of when a new style of music comes on. You know, someone would have told Brandon he was performing the devil's music 15 years ago. We know this to be true. Because they weren't focused on the substance that was Jesus. It's like, hey, this, this is the devil's, simply because the way you're worshiping or want to honor God is not the way I would do it. And then we have, the, right, and so that kind of leads into this other extreme where we're like, the, the shadow is everything. And, and, this, and this side, it's hard to talk to this side because they're like, I got scripture, right? <laughs> I, I get, the Bible says you should and should not do this. It's plain, it's clear, and you're right. It, it does say that, but that in itself is not directly related to are you, are you not a Christian? And so just think of, even if you say, I got scripture to back up my opinion, yes, you do, but if Jesus was standing here, right here, and you came up to him, and his shadow was being cast, and you started talking to his shadow instead of actually talking to him, I think you would understand that you are not handling the situation correctly. <laughs> And so that's problem number one. Problem number two, uh, the, the middleman problem. So we kinda, we're getting this from uh, verses uh, ooh, t- 20 and 21, maybe. Nope. 18 and 19, right, as it starts talking about the angels and being disqualified. So I, uh, there, there was a TV show, an old cartoon, it's not old, old, um, called The Powerpuff Girls, if you know it. And the Powerpuff Girls were a, they were a uh, set of triplets with superpowers. And there was a, a mayor in the town that they lived in. Um, and what, what happened was the mayor had a phone, a little clown phone in his office. And the Powerpuff Girls had the exact same phone in their bedroom. And whenever the mayor needed something, he could just pick up that phone. He didn't have to dial anything, and it would ring in the Powerpuff Girls' bedroom. And he could say, hey, Powerpuff Girls, there's a, whatever, a bank robbery. We need you. He had a direct line, didn't have to dial anything. He'd just pick it up, call his local superheroes, and they'd be right there. Um, so, again, what we don't, you don't see a lot of people saying, hey, you need angels to get your prayers through. But what I have seen in our culture Someone goes up to a pastor's wife, an elder's wife, and they say, hey, can you tell your husband to pray for me? Just completely overlook the wife. You're just a messenger. I don't need your prayers. I'm not even going to pray myself. But can you tell your husband (laughs) to pray for me? Because that's what I actually need to get this job done. I need need your husband. And in it, there's there's an implied um, sense that's like, the preachers and the priests and the bishops, you name the title, they are actually more than right. the rest of us. Right. As if, as if the, the, the priests and the pastors have this special Powerpuff Girls phone in their bedroom with a direct line to the throne of God that nobody else has. And we need to, we need to go to them because they're the only ones with the special phone that can reach God. Um. And the truth is, if that phone exists, it's because we all have it. 
and and if and if we and if you disagree with that, it, like Paul says, it can seem like humility. But what we're actually doing is telling Jesus that he didn't do something that he said he did. We're telling him you did not break down that wall of hostility. You did not break down that curtain. You did not make us all equal in Christ. We are not the same. I'm less than. The pastors and the priests are more than us, and we need them, or else we can't talk to you. And sometimes the middleman isn't a person. Sometimes it's a technique. My prayers don't count unless I'm eyes closed, head bowed. My prayers don't count unless I'm on my knees. My prayers don't count unless I verbatim ended with, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the middle, the middle man is a technique. It's not a person. Or it's a place, right? The prayer doesn't count. The Bible studies in real unless you're actually in this church building. And if it's got to get shut down for quarantine, then, oh, my goodness, how are we going to worship? We don't have a church to go to. Well, the, this isn't the middleman um, by any means. Sometimes the middleman, um, we, the, the problem with the middleman, it's you know you have the phone. You, you actually do um, know you can use it. But we actually, we're a little afraid to, right? You may have done something you really know you shouldn't have done Saturday. And so now you're like, man, I need, I need to cool off. Like, I'm not ready to talk to God right now. I need, I need to, like, have a, like, a sin-free week, and then I could try to pray. <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm going to go to my godly friend who didn't mess up Saturday, and I'm going to say, hey, can you go talk to God, like, on my behalf about it? So picture this, like, you've got siblings and say there's four of you, and three of you are in hot water, and you all want to go to the state fair. So you go to the goody two-shoes, or the favorite child, and you send them, hey, you go talk to mom and dad. And you kind of stand behind the corner and, and see how it goes. You say, hey, you go talk to God. Sorry, you go talk to the parents and ask to go to the state fair. Because we can't. He's, they're going to say no if we ask them because I, I, I got in trouble <laughs> uh, or, or, you know, bad grades about whatever it is. And some, sometimes we do this with God. It's like we try to optimize our chances of getting what we want by sending a particular person to go, like, handle things on our behalf. And we've got this, this, this middleman issue. And so part of it reflects uh, misunderstanding of Christ's character. If you're, a, if you're a visitor, you got this book today, Gentle and Lowly. I think we've been handing it out. Um, there's, a, there's a box of them out there in, in the lobby. This is where I picked this up from. Uh, but in one of this chapter is the, the author, he's making the point that God wants to forgive us um, and, and actually enjoys it. And so I'm going to just read two paragraphs for the, I'm going to paraphrase some things, skip over a word or two, but so it says, um, our unbelieving hearts tread carefully. Isn't that presumptuous? and audacity to draw on the mercy of Christ in an unfiltered way? Shouldn't we be measured and reasonable and careful not to pull too much on him? He says, well, would a father with a suffering, suffocating child want his child to draw on an oxygen tank in a measured, reasonable way? Well, no. Our trouble is that we do not take the scripture seriously when it speaks of us as Christ's body. Christ is the head, we are his body parts. How does a head feel about his own flesh? The Apostle Paul tells us he nourishes and cherishes it. And then Paul makes explicit connection to Christ, just as Christ does the church, we, because we are members of the body. How do we care for a wounded body part? We nurse it, bandage it, protect it, give it time to heal. 
For that body part isn't just a close friend. It is part of us. So with Christ and believers, we are part of him. This is why when the risen Christ asks a persecutor of his people, he says, why are you persecuting me? Jesus Christ is comforted when you draw from the riches of his atoning work because his own body is getting healed. So that's um, some patchwork from the end of chapter three there on that book. Um, but a lot of times that's our problem. Like we, we want to we we send someone who we think we've got a better chance of talking to Jesus because we don't realize that he actually wants to talk to you. Right. <laughs> he, he actually in, enjoys that act of what you're afraid of, of being forgiven and different things because you think it's going to look bad. You know, when we, uh, um, earlier in the week, I wanted to uh, taste Wendy's new fries. I got sucked in by the commercial. And so, go to Wendy's, took 30 minutes, <laughs> this is the slowest Wendy's in Indianapolis, I'm sure of it, um, but get pulled in the drive-thru, look at my wife, Carrie, do you want anything? No. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want anything? Because I'm about to order. <laughs> um, and she says, I'll just take three or four of your fries. I'm not really hungry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we get home, <laughs> we get home, get the fries, I pull out her three or four, <laughs> I get ready to hand it to her, and she hits me with the Jetsons, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I end up only eating three or four. I'm... I'm going through the cabinets, eating graham crackers. I'm looking at the expiration date, like, because I didn't actually get to eat the fries. But then when that happens, she says to me, she says, do you, do you love taking care of me? And I said, of course I do. Right? And I, I think the point is that we often, we, we don't want to, for the sake of the, we don't want to take God's fries. We, we don't want to do the things where he enjoys taking care of us because we feel like we're hurting him or making ourselves look bad. It's like, like I do, I enjoy taking care of it. You know, just one, just tell me I'd have bought a second thing of fries, but hey, but <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like he enjoys taking care of us. And, and there's, there's nothing you could have done over the weekend where he won't do that for you. He enjoys it. Like you, and you don't need a middleman. He says, hey, this is available, and you all have now access because of what I did. Right? And Paul said, hey, don't let anyone or anything, any concept anyone come up with disqualify you or think that you do not have access or you, you need to worship the shadow or, or anything when you, you have full access to this thing. So the third problem, the faith problem. I mean, it's, it's all a faith problem. But for the sake of the analogy, the oh, there we go. Uh, so the the faith problem. Can you scroll up to the faith problem? Um, so it's Paul is now saying. I'll just go ahead and read it here in verse. We're at verse twenty. He says, "If if with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still in the world, do you submit to regulations? You know, do not touch, do not handle, um, do not taste." He's saying you don't need to do this. All right, so. Um, the, the example here is, imagine there, there's a hospital bill up there. 
and it's I think the bill is like three hundred something thousand dollars. Yep, there we go. It's three hundred sixty-seven thousand um, dollars, and then after their insurance and all those things, you probably can't see it. The patient balance due is one hundred four dollars and nineteen cents. That's some good insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we need what he got. Um, but point being, how crazy would it be as if you got this bill to go up to the hospital and say, you know what? Actually, I want to pay the full $367,000 after paying hundreds of dollars a month for the insurance to say, forget the insurance. I want the full bill. This is what we're doing when we don't actually live as if we're Christians when we don't actually live as if Christ died for us. Like, we're willingly deciding to pay the full bill. Which is it's absolutely crazy. And for the kids, if this doesn't make sense, you don't have insurance, think of going to an amusement park and, you know, you buy the, the you pay the extra $100 for the express line. Uh, and then getting back in the regular line after you pay, it's like, you know what, I'm going to pay the $100 for the express and then still wait two hours to get on this 10-second roller coaster doesn't make any sense. So I thought about, you know, um, um, when we're talking about live as if you're Christian, I'm not talking about the, the simple stuff, like don't fight somebody. Cool. You probably get that, you know, but there are things that we have planned to do tonight, tomorrow, that are an expression that we're not, we're choosing to pay the full bill, right? And so we're, we're saying on, on Sunday morning, we're saying God's in control, but Sunday night, I'm going to plan out to the T this whole next week and this next month and this next year. And if it doesn't go right, God's mad at me. Like, we're like, like, wh- why are you adding this extra stress to yourself? So I wrote down some of the lyrics from Brandon. I think it was the first song, right? It's right where, where you're asking yourself, am I, am I worth, am I worthless? Anxiety is whispering in your ear. The grace erase it and, and voila. It's like we're, we're choosing not to, to live like that. When we decide, I'm going to just, when I say this, I'm not uh, stepping on anyone who, you know, a a mental health issue may be involved. When we're just choosing to sit in our anxiety and and stress and wanting to control and and choosing not to be forgiven and being afraid. It's like we're, we're choosing to just let these things win. And Paul is saying, like, hey, if you, why be a Christian at all? Especially if you're going to go through all the bad things. And then when it's time to, you know, reap the benefits, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? Why would you let somebody tell you that you're, you're no longer worthy for this if Christ died for you? And I think the hard part with it is humans, we can struggle with belief sometimes, with, with faith. Uh, and simple things, no, all of you sat down in that chair without giving a second thought about what it holds you up. You have plenty of faith in that moment. But things we really want... Sometimes our faith is hard, so I'll give you two examples, a shorter one and a longer one. Sometimes, we'll, like if you're at work, you want to be seen as a good worker. What, what we end up doing is we do things to convince ourselves. If I'm not employee of the month or no one's actually telling me, I'm going to show up every day early. I'm going to be the first one in the parking lot because this is my proof to me that I'm a good worker. If that report is due on Tuesday, I know no one turns it in until Thursday and the boss doesn't actually read till Friday, but for the sake of saying I turned it in when it was due and proving to myself I'm a good worker, I'm going to turn it in on Tuesday. And even a lot of students now, what I've seen, we have students who are 
and sports are deep in their grades, just listen, hearing them talking and listening to them, you see that they, this is the only way they ever get affirmation from their parents. They, they're working hard because this is the only time the parents ever says anything good about them. This is the only time they talk about their kid to someone else when they got a good report card, when they did something good in sports. And so what do you now do? I, I need to prove to my parents, I'm so, so I'm going to dive deeper into this sport or this, you know, grades or whatever the thing is. And, and the parents are like, oh, you try to tell the parents, like, oh, no, they, they love basketball. No, they love you. And they want to hear that, that you love them. And, and so consider that if we can see our mom and see dad, grandma, whoever's taking care of you. You can see them cook for you, provide for you, and all these different things. If we can struggle to believe that mom loves me, and I can see her, touch her, and see all these things she provides for me, just imagine what we can struggle to believe about the God we can't see. And and even, sure, we say, yeah, well, God provides these things. Yeah, we pray for your food, but I watched someone else make that food. You know, I didn't watch God make it. You know, th- this realtor helped me get this house. I, I, I worked the job that where the paycheck came from. You know, you, you don't see the God's part in it. And so what we end up doing often is we do things to convince ourselves that God loves me. Because we're choosing to pay the bill, the full bill, and that, and that rest just in some of the promises that he's made. And so the... The next, the next slide, the, the last problem, the sacrifice problem, is Paul ends up saying here that, you know, you do all those things to, to prove yourself in a particular way, but you don't actually ever fix the real problem. And especially to the audience he's talking to, it's like actually what you're doing, you're just torturing yourself for no reason. I'll, I'll read those last two verses. Um, right, do not taste, referring to things perish. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So to those ascetics, the truth is like, hey, no, if you've got an anger issue, you not eating isn't going to fix your anger issue. It might make it worse. You're going to be mad. You know, um, for, for me, if I, you know, if I struggle with lust, me not wearing shoes isn't going to fix my lust issue. And even if I choose to, to go after some of those things that are, that are a shadow of Christ, good things, hey, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I'm not going to watch porn. You know, those, again, they're good. They're a shadow of Christ, and she very much appreciates me keeping both of those rules. But those things are not going to take away my lust issue. And, and if you, whatever your sin issue is, if you boil it down to just, keep this rule, keep that rule, you're not actually ever addressing the real problem. You're not actually doing anything that has a value in stopping the indulgence of your sin. You you may keep it at bay, it may not come out, but like, if you you know anything about lust, it's like, if I just boil that down to don't cheat, don't watch porn, there's plenty of things I'm still freeing myself up to do. If I say this this is the only way, and so Think I don't know, <laughs> you know, your personal lives, whatever that thing is for you. Uh, is there something that I've boiled it down to just this rule and that rule? And um, torture myself or not doing anything to actually fix the real issue? 
Paul's saying, hey, w- look at these things and see it. Or are you, are you really getting at what you're supposed to do? And so I would say, um, you, can, you can do that last slide. What you're supposed to do is focus on the relationship. Um, when as even even with with others, as you do that with with the shadow issue, if there's if there's someone that you're like, I don't I don't get why you do that. Be a relationship builder. Talk to them. <laughs> it it works. <laughs> and you even even if they are in the wrong, you may see where I now see where you're coming from. You're not just this heathen cockroach. I thought you were just because you did something I didn't like. And there may need to be some correction involved still, but like you view them very differently now. Or or you may realize, huh, I was like coming at you crazy, but actually like you are you very much have Jesus in mind. In fact, I need to I wanna go to a Bible study <laughs> led by you. You know, once you actually like get to know them and you've built that relationship, you see, hey, I've been closed minded, but you are actually the wiser person in this area. And and so Jesus is saying, hey, when when it comes to if you if you build a relationship with me, then you'll be more likely to recognize when it's me or when it's just a shadow. If you build a relationship with me, you'll see that hey, I am the middleman. And if you got me, you, you got everything. You've got all the connections that you need. And so if you build that relationship with me, you'll have you'll have that faith to approach me boldly and say, hey, I, I can be forgiven. I, I, I have no need to be to feel disqualified because the, 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 the supreme standard is believing in him and everything else is just two, three, four, five, six, and on and on and on. And if you build that relationship with him, you realize, unlike the Jews who, who needed to s- sacrifice a new goat every day because it actually wasn't good enough, like his sacrifice once and for all was good enough. And, and you'll see that, hey, this, this relationship, building this relationship with him will actually have value in me you know, cutting down on, on some of whatever the issues I am I'm working with. But he's, he's not kicking me out of heaven because I'm coming to him with these issues because it actually pleases him to work on these issues with me. Um, and, and so I think, I think Paul is just really trying to focus on, hey, like focus on your relationship with Christ and in that focus also on your relationship with others because they were, they were all work out. So closing, uh, simple invitation, really simple invitation. Um, if you have not, trust God with your life. It, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you think you've done, as, especially for us at, on, on this side of the timeline. Jesus died for you knowing everything you would have done. He, he, he's already made the decision. We can feel like we're not worth it. or it's not, He's already made the decision. I know everything you, you, you did and will do. I've made the decision that you're worth it to me. So he said, hey, like, come to me. I'm happy to work on this with you. I'm going to put people around you. If you don't judge them because they don't believe the same thing you do, that you'll, that you'll see, hey, we, we can, our walk can look different, but we can still end up in the same place and do this thing together. Um, so, so yes, uh, there, there are others. If you, if that, if that's something that you want to talk about with someone, we've got out of just pastors, elders, deacons, raise your hand. I think we're, we're all over the church here. Just, hey, I, I'd like to, even if you're not a Christian, you're like, you know what? I've been dealing with the shadow problem. I've been dealing with the middleman problem, the faith problem, the sacrifice problem. You know, practically, what, what can I do, um, 
to, to work on that a little better. Um, a quick practical one, if you don't have this book, I w uh, I'm only like halfway through it, but I would say the first three chapters do a good job of like changing your mindset. I haven't, again, I haven't read the rest. It may be awful, but the first three chapters <laughs> do a, a good job of at least wrapping your mind around, hey, this, this idea of coming to Jesus isn't as scary as I think it is. And it might actually be very, very confident for me.